Is kombucha all you need to know? Let's find out. And we're back. So good to hear your voice, Elijah. Oh, man. Everyone. It's been absent out there in the evening. Everyone tuned in, heard your voice, and they just breathed a sigh of relief and was like, oh, we're all, back. All is, all is right in the world. All is right in the kombucha podcast realm. Absolutely. Well, yeah, at least that. <laughs> Let's niche it in. Let's niche it in, you know, to all of the podcasts, all of the uh, kombucha podcasts that are out there. Yes. All two of them. <laughs> You ain't lying there. Excited to be back. Talking about something that could go as wide as the world. Yep. But we're going to try to niche it down. I guess niche is Meh. the... I guess niche is going to be the word of this podcast. I, I guess so. You could have said narrow, but we can keep it niche. Everything about kombucha is niche. It's true. Everything. We're trying to niche it out. Niche it out. Yeah. We'll see how many times we can work it in. Make it less niche. Is that, is that the goal? There we go. Is that the goal of kombucha? That's the goal. One day, kombucha will be, well, fermented foods are becoming They're on the rise. Niche. And I would say kombucha is at the top of that realm. It is. Anybody, who's, anybody who knows anything, who like actually knows anything <laughs> about fermented foods, knows about kombucha. Kombucha is the king. Speaking of, uh, that was what I uh, encouraged everyone to do. Uh, last week, I told them, hey, um, you've heard us talk about this, uh, this particular study. Uh, go. And I, yes. I sent everyone to go and listen to that podcast. Actually, go and listen to them talk about it. Did anyone get back with you saying they did? Uh, no, I'm sure they're all just a <laughs> bunch of liars and lazy and they don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Oh, it's Andrew Huberman. This isn't, this, isn't the, this isn't the Patreon, so I got I to gotta wind it back. Yes, I got to wind it back a little bit. On the Patreon, I'm really sassy. But you, you can't be too raw. I can't here. be too raw. Yeah, no, no, that's where it's raw. Here, it's, I mean, we're not pasteurized, but maybe a little filtered. Slightly. Slightly. On this side of things. On this side of things. <laughs> well, that's good. All right. Yeah, well, it's good to have you back. What are we chatting today? So we're going to talk about a... What an appropriate expectation is for us. What what we have learned. Five glasses of kombucha a day. That's an appropriate expectation. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that uh, um, they won't all taste the same. (laughs) Uh, Specifically, if you're trying it at uh, different stages in the fermentation. We did do that. It was really fun. That was really cool to do. Yeah. Just to have them back to back to back. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like the sweet tea that goes into the initial anaerobic ferment comes out the other side of that anaerobic ferment, which is wildly different in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Sugar stripped, much of the nutrients stripped, slight booze on the nose. Slight, yeah. (laughs) And then after the uh, aerobic ferment of um, of the starter itself, just the massive, pretty incredible when you taste them. It's in, insane. When you taste them consecutively like it's, that. It's the massive amount of flavor, acid, and just death yep. you get after that. It's, yes. it's pretty phenomenal. You would yep. never expect that transformation to be able to occur from that. Yep. All, and all, all it is is just creating the right environments for them to kind of do it on their own. 
the right Ooh, environments right. and the right encouragements. We'll see. <laughs> the right encouragements <laughs> and the right nutrient loads. Yep. The right uh, the right en- enzymatic reactions. The right enzymatic reactions. The right vibrations. The right uh, sounds. The right music. The right speech. They've had a little bit of a different. They've had a little bit of a different vibration in this place. Yeah. Well, this batch did. Ever since the leaving of our blessed brewmaster. Yeah. Trey. Uh, a little less country and a lot less metal. Specifically yeah. Texas country. Texas country. Yes. Which, yeah, which is its own country. So that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, that, was, that was a cool experience. All right, back on topic. All right, anecdote time. I, uh, we have a, um, a sake bar around here. Rachel and I went into the tour. Yes. Of its uh, weekend before last. No, quick aside. Yeah. Aren't beverage tours just all the greater now that you have some concept of beverage production? It was awesome. It really makes you geek out. I was able to hold a conversation with them. And that was pretty rad. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> same day. I, um, uh, so you needed me to come in to like fix some pallet stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and again, I came in and I saw your palette work. And again, my first thought was, wow, that's a really good job. That's a really good <laughs> palette wrap. What's the last time you looked at a palette that was wrapped that was plastic? My, that was my whole thing. I was just like, Elijah, what has happened to me? What have you done? Where I come in here and I'm admiring someone's palette work. Well, I'm admiring the way, wow, he really got, uh, that, got those corners nice and taut. It's really nice and secure. <laughs> You know, I pushed it, I moved it around a little bit, I evaluated it. Not too much plastic wasted. Not too much, unlike me, who, <laughs> who can't quite figure out how to, how to wrap the top, so I would just go for it, because I'd rather it be secure. Um, you, you erred on the right side of things. I, yes, I do. I err on the caution, which is really funny, because I also keep an eye on the inventory, and I'm also the one that's using most of it up. So... <laughs> So it's a little perfect. Um, but uh, but that was it was a lot of fun going and seeing them. Um, they're great guys, uh, great chatting with them. And um, but while I was there, they were also talking about some some of the jank stuff that they had to do. Um, the way they're hooking up all these random machines, all these uh, different uh, their, uh, devices that they can't quite get because you have to you have to pay a crazy amount because it's sake specific and there's only, uh, there's very few in the state sake breweries in the United States. Yeah. I th- think he said there were 18. Wow. In the, in the country. We thought we were niche. We thought we were niche. Exactly. And, um, and so all the devices, you know, if you really want to do it, you got to get a device or some kind of machine that you can get only from Japan. That's it. That's the only way, place it's produced. And so they can't afford it. So they figure out a way to jerry-rig their own version of this or to make it easier on them. And just like validated. I feel so validated. I understand you. And all, exactly. <laughs> oh, but I mean, like they don't, again, they don't just do um, uh, sake. They both, um, the, the two people I met there, they also work at um, a brewery around here. Um, a beer brewery. A beer brewery. Yeah. So like, so I was like, okay, this is just what r- running and working in a brewery is like. You jerry-rig situations because chances are you can't afford the funds 
to get it right now. And so you are just going, you're just going to go jank, get your duct tape, figure out the mechanisms and just figure it out. That's just part of it. Yes. That's what I want to talk about today. It took a sake brewer. <laughs> it took, I knew that, I knew what Wait, we did. Wait, do they call them brewers? Uh, they have a different name for it. It's a Japanese name, so I'm not going to try to repeat it. <laughs> I also, really want you also, to Also, I don't it. remember it. Um, <laughs> I can look it up, but I'm not going to do that. Okay. We got to wait for it. We got to sneeze. It's not going. Okay. It's not going. I thought we were going to have a, we were going to have a banger. Yeah. It, it felt that way, but uh, the, the wind up ended up just canceling it out altogether. Okay. That's okay. It happens. You know. It'll sneak back up. You win up. some, you lose some. Uh, it'll sneak back up. But, uh, well, I, like I said, I knew how we did. I knew, I knew what, it took for, what it takes for us to do what we're doing. Yes. And so just to see that the fact that they include that into their tour. But I think probably like, they already knew that um, I worked here at Thrive. So um, we talked a little bit more uh, about some of the processes, processes that they go through. So uh, it was just, okay, this is just normal. This is actually extremely normal yes. in breweries, and it's to be expected. So thus, my, uh, our working title, our current title is, uh, is Kombucha All You Need to Know. Um, that assumes to, uh, something very specific. Um, number one, it assumes you know kombucha. Um, and what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Uh, well, because, you know, home brewing and commercial brewing uh, they differ. Hopefully, for your relative well-being. Well, sake. yeah. If if you're if you're scaling, yeah. If it's if you're if it's something scalable outside of space, yes. In particular, then yeah. Um, but I just assume if you really really know kombucha, you're not doing it that way. Yeah, I just assume that. Good um, assumption. Yeah, and then uh, and then the um, uh, pretty much my working concept here is you can only really know how to do all this really by doing it. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And like we've said before, just we'll bounce off that and we can go where it takes us. But there is, I mean, I'm sure pretty much any frontier industry that's at the stage that kombucha is becoming much more established now, but still an endless amount of growth potential. Yeah. I mean, when you look to, I mean, any other beverage category that's been on any sort of a trajectory like kombucha has with it going from major retailer shelves or, you know, going from local farmer's markets up to in local stores and then going up to major retailers mm -hmm. and then working its way back to localizing, regionalizing yeah. into tap rooms, yep. um, you know, direct to, consumer in person pouring concepts you know so any other industries that have gone that route the two i look to are obviously beer and uh coffee yeah and uh but um the, the reason why is in particular um you, you mentioned beverages um but we're talking about beverages that uh, go through a specific process yeah um too because I'm, I'm thinking about sodas which is just syrup carbonated uh, but not too many people are going to your local it's it stopped at the, the, the major retailers. It hasn't worked its way. You don't see craft soda shops. Not as often. Back in the uh, day? Not everywhere. You used to. There are definitely still some, but like that's another one that's even more niche than us. So Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and so anything that goes that route and is in the stage that we are in the industry, it seems like just in the past probably year, at least from my knowledge, has the door been cracked open to here are readily available direct to commercial like uh, processes mm. that you can obviously purchase through the few consultation um, so, you know providers that are out there that can you know you can book buy their package of here's how to scale up a kombucha brewery right and like there just in the past couple years has anything like that entered in due to the fact that it's such a growing beverage category the better for you category and along people with actually foods have done it now yeah yeah and shown that it's possible yeah and it, that there precisely. is there is at least decent demand mm-hmm. um and so but I'll, I'll talk really quick about one of the problems with that that method and then circle back even though that is an ability there's always the first takers in the industry that offer that service that especially with something like brewing that is so nuanced in every degree i mean from ingredients used ratios you agree yeah. the way that you extract those things the way you mix those things the process of actually doing that the length of time of ferments all of these i mean endless amounts of things that can vary well that obviously doesn't lend towards easy success whatever your definition of success is as far as a finalized product that is consistent and is people if people like it they're going to come back to it again and again blah 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 so a lot of those plans that i've seen that are ways to scale up the process put you into a narrow funnel that have very controlled environment to that process to where there's no variance there's no room for variance because it gets too nuanced too quickly if that makes sense yeah well going back to what um you and i were talking about um even like just before we started recording that narrow funnel that you're mentioning that narrow is a thing we can expect is relatively low quality just because of uh the it has to be it has to be at a very specific level because chances are um in order to to go through the process that are kind of being sold it doesn't include everything necessary to make a really really high quality yeah product and it starts from a values yeah it starts of from course. from the values and, of course. and the values of most of those models are consistency and when consistency is your highest value highest value when you have that as your highest value you will always lose quality you will always lose uniqueness you will always use slight beautiful variability um because you can look to someone like this is an easy concept for people to to, to um, kind of look at this problem would be like the Starbucks model. Mm-hmm. You can go to San Diego, California or Portland, Maine, opposite sides of the country 
and you order a Starbucks Americano, it's going to taste within a, like, I mean, there will be you no won't, difference. You won't know the difference. It will be the same beverage. There'll be different, slightly different water. I mean, there might be, I'm just saying everything, it is exactly the same. Yeah. For lack of better words. Yeah. And so, but to gain that consistency, there's been a major lack of quality due to things that you could even explain more, but you have to over-process beans and, and, you know, basically burn the beans in order to create that consistency. Quick fun thing about that. Um, two different things on that front. Uh, this is not relevant, but I find it to be really interesting information. Number one is they source uh, all of their beans from the same place. Uh, so they're all Sumatra, pretty much. Um, and Indonesian, uh, so th- which is really good, which is a really cool thing that they do for the Indonesian economy, and they take care of those farms really well. So kudos, that's cool. Kudos to them. The other thing is they um, they also they don't just roast it to that profiles um, for the consistency. They also roast it, and they took this principle from Subway because that's what produces the most aroma. So uh. when you walk past a Starbucks, you smell it, and it draws you in. It definitely does. They took that principle because that's what uh, Subway did. Fascinating. So they would actually, so they had, uh, Subway had a vent system where it would actually pump some of the smell out of the, uh, um, of the, uh, the, the shop so that you would uh, be drawn into it. So that's just an interesting uh, feature. That's great business. Yeah. It's thoughtful. <laughs> it's very thoughtful. It's, uh, uh, it's thinking about the customer. How do we get people in the doors? Let them smell it before they come in. Who doesn't want to smell some nice coffee? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Absolutely. Even if you don't like Starbucks, you love the smell of it. How could you not? For real. So all that to say is to create that, that, that highest value of consistency, yeah. they had to make certain decisions. Correct. Which led to certain outcomes. Yep. Same thing for most... There's no scalable artesian with variables models out there because that gets into too much chaos. There's not enough order to be able to create a like compact um, tutorial, you know, whatever yep. of how to do this. Yep. So, um, well, I mean, again, you're just, okay. you're thinking about um, thinking about, you know, that perfect blend of like the art and the science you know, but you have those like you have those master brewers, you have those master distillers who have tons of experience so that they can um, like because they're so familiar with it, they can they can craft something so specific because of the breadth of their knowledge mm-hmm. and everything. And so, again, they can uh, the you have these, you know, like these master chefs, these people who know their craft so deeply and that they can. Um, it's, it's not as straightforward as, uh, I'm not saying this is what you're saying as you can have consistency or quality and that's it. But like yeah. in order to have something really masterful, it requires a lot of specification, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience yes. with it in order to be able to hone in and you're approaching it as a craft at that point Yeah. versus, uh, um, just a product. Yes. And so juxtaposed to that situation that I build up, mm-hmm. that route, then there's the artesian route, yeah, which is kind of more the route that we've been on mm-hmm. since the beginning and continued on in, um, which is 
kind of full processing and incorporation inside our walls. So whether it's from, you know, the whole real ingredients being infused and processed in various ways um, to go to the quality standards that we want it to be at to the crafting of the kombucha culture itself inside our wall, yep. inside our walls to the, the packaging yep. to every yep. piece of it is a creation. If it has a thrive brew on it, everything was thought over and designed by us. Yep. And so, but with that route comes the wide open world of chaos and no, no specific direction to run in when problems arise, especially, or when you're trying to frontier something new. Yes. And so that's where our concept for today comes in. Yeah. Which is taking this route, although, you know, there's a incredible beauty and excitement to the process because as much of the parameters that we've even put in place today, which are many more, there's still variability on the other end of, of brews. Like there's still the slightest, it's diminished greatly due to now four and a half years in and having some more of these parameters put in place measurements and different things that we're able to do. There's less worry, but there's still that slight, I hope this one's a good batch still left in the process. Yeah. And that's where the excitement comes in, but that's also where a lot of the, the fears and, uh, you know, the vulnerabilities lie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because so along those lines, like, because that is the landscape, um, kind of to your point, there's only so much that outside help could actually give us. Yes. Our thing becomes more of a, now when we're doing our research going into, let's, I mean, let's just take it into something specific. Um, this would be a low level example, sure. but our most latest, latest uh, kind of small batch that we did. Yeah. Our Juniper Gen. Yep. We'd never worked with Juniper Berries inside these four walls. I'd never worked with them. You'd never worked with them. Nope. It was a completely new landscape. That's one where we had to go to the old interwebs mm-hmm. and figure out how do people mostly extract these things, which then devolves into different ways because most people are not making kombucha brews with these juniper berries, at least with these yep. articles. And, and even, well, because we're, we're looking at what is it, how is it mostly produced? Using gin, right? Gin. And there are different ways people use it for gin. So now you have to make a decision about which route, which route you're going to go and how you want to do it. So, so you got to learn and you got to make decisions. So to your and point. You kind of, you look to your past. that it works. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you kind of bring your breadth of knowledge of everything that you've done in the past yep. to the table. And then you learn from this other industry or practice. Yep. And then you have to make decisions based on, on those things. 
Yeah, because you exist as pretty much the only bridge between those two, the two industries. Because not really anyone, anyone else or any other industry is going to be a really good reference point for, okay, how do I take these ingredients and somehow, in various ways, all the different possible, possible ways, infuse them with, uh, with kombucha. Yes. Which is left to the imagination of those who are familiar with kombucha. Because you're most likely, it is very unlikely that someone's going to be familiar enough with both. Unless they're a kombucha brewmaster. Unless they're a kombucha brewmaster and a gin distiller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so you're, you kind of got to let there be like a, enough, enough knowledge, enough information to exercise some imagination in order to kind of put the two together yes. in a new way. And that's where the art and the science meet. Mm-hmm. And that's where failure or magic can happen. Yeah, that's true. Or, you know, there's, there's other, I mean. Like this flavor, total failure. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Trevor. Yeah, I know. It's I delicious. Suck. Um, yeah, we, we, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, this <laughs> Juniper Gen batch was not Trevor's favorite of our small batches. So I'm taking it on myself gladly drinking both of our shares of it. Yeah. Cause I think it's absolutely delicious. It's got an awesome sour note to it from the, uh, the rose hips mm-hmm. that just, it lights me up. Baby. It's really interesting, but I, I go ahead and acknowledge it is a meat problem. It's not a, it's. <laughs> It's not well, a juniper gen problem. It's a meat problem. It's the subjectivity. Exactly. Of, of it's not. It's not my. Uh, it's not my. Um, uh, it's not my cup of tea. Oh. But it is your cup of kombucha. So. Whoa. Yeah. That was good. Thanks. Thank you. I wrote that. <laughs> we'll down put a early. gold star on your ticket. Well, I wrote it down earlier. I'm oh, just been okay. waiting for a chance to use it. Okay. So. Um. So yeah. That's one example. Other examples would be in the realm of, hey, we have this tank. It's sitting in this room, but we think we need to increase the temperature on it. Yeah. There's no mechanical way that comes with this tank to increase the temperature. Yeah. And it's sitting in the middle of a room. How do we do this? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as we discussed in the beginning of this, there are many ways to do that for with you know that are already created but obviously come with a major price tag yes so money does solve those problems but you know the problem always is is you know if you just had all the money in the world to solve every single problem that you're having why are you doing this whole thing <laughs> well, because also too, like, all right, if you can, you know, apart from hiring someone, we'll, we'll we'll clarify that. Apart from hiring someone to solve all your problems, um, and you're just buying things to solve the problems. What happens when those things wear out? What happens when something wrong happens with those? You yeah. still got to figure out how to fix it. So there's a, there's like there's there's a point where like knowing knowing what you're doing is really the only way to know how to troubleshoot when things go wrong. Yeah. Right, because apart from that, it's still... Like, think about our canning line. How much troubleshooting do we do? Have a decent we done? amount. A decent amount. 
we don't know it that well. But as we're working with it, as we're solving problems, we're getting things figured out. Fortunately, there is, uh, we do contact support and they're mostly helpful. But sometimes they don't understand what our issues are because we have parts that are things going on with our system that are unique to us that they don't know anything about. Like, what if there's something weird going on with our, um, uh, with our uh, uh, can lids? What if the can lids is an issue? The manufacturer can't solve that. The manufacturer of the or of the uh, the canner can't yeah. solve that because they didn't have anything to do with that. So, and if you're us, you're putting together six billion other parts to create your canning line <laughs> that they like didn't do, but a different person did, and uh, you're actually not in contact with them anymore because all their products have not actually been that great. So, <laughs> not naming names sounds personal. I mean, I did spend a lot of time talking to these. Uh, to these individuals. You were on a first so. name basis. We were, uh, we were on a first name basis. <laughs> we probably are. I could probably send them a Christmas card and it wouldn't be weird. Um, so, um, yeah, this is true. So just to, to take, solve this problem out loud to, yep. to showcase, it's like we have this tank. It needs heated up. It's yes. in the middle of a room. Yes, you could get double walled tanks the where you run it through a heating mechanism through, you know, blah, blah, blah. Down that route, things that already exist things that massive breweries already do. But those things cost multi-thousands of dollars, and you're just really trying to bring the temperature up a little bit, and you don't need this other huge tank because of that. So, you know, it's like, okay, how do we warm something up in the middle of the room without warming other things up around it? Well, our problem solved to that was these uh, plant seedling mats that we found where like people like when you're starting your seeds in the beginning of the year, you want to keep them warm through those cold, you know, the cold months and just to create that greenhouse effect over them. Um, we find the biggest ones that we can buy and we tape these suckers to our, um, our, um, tank that our stainless tank on the outside and run a circulation on the liquid, which allows the entire brew to be heat, heated to the direct temperature and then have that set up with the thermometer blah 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 to where it won't overheat and blah 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 yeah so there's something that was on no that was never going to be in some how to scale your kombucha business book but the amount of those scenarios has been endless uh two of my favorites my my because the best thing about this whole subject is the way in which solutions create a whole new host of problems. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. So let's hear it. Key example. You need a more efficient way to brew tea. Yes. So you, do, you go the route of, let's throw money at it. Let's get a new tea brewer. Let's throw money at it. Let's throw money at it. Let's get, it, let's get some equipment that can do it. Did that create any problems? None whatsoever. It was perfect, flawless. It was perfect, flawless. You've not changed anything since then. <laughs> yes, that that problem spirals into the 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 times. It does it does its job too well. Yes. <laughs> that's that's the what the that times is and temperatures of our previous brewing techniques mm-hmm. now extract so much of the tea that our next few brews are highly tannic from the tea. 
with nothing other, nothing else changed besides the efficiency mm-hmm. and like yeah, basically efficiency and preciseness of this new brewer. Yep. And it's like, all right, we solved one problem, but now that created this next problem. So now we have to look to ratios and times and temperatures and go back to square zero, uh, go back to square one on that. Yep. So it's ever evolving. Can I give my second example? Okay, number two. Are you ready? You have a new distribution partner. And you have to get those pallets to the drop-off. Fun times. Okay. How are you going to transport them? Exactly. So. We get the you, van. You, no. You have a neighbor. Oh, we started there. Well, we had to get the van first. No. No. We didn't. We, we used the trailer. We used the trailer. We already had a trailer. So right. assuming you already have a trailer. Yes. Okay. But you got to get. The pallet. At 1,500 pound or more. Into the trailer. Pallet. Four feet up. Yep. Three feet up. And in to a trailer. So, you need a lift. Can you afford one yet? No. No. Negative. So, you find someone that already has one. One of them is is your neighbor because of their business. Okay. Which is great. Which is great. You go to, you, uh, go to use it. They're not there. But the delivery has to be made. But the delivery has to be made. Okay. Now you have to get a lift. Or you stay dependent on your neighbor. And the dependency on the neighbor is not working out. Precisely. Every solution creates new realms of problems. Yes. And you're just, that's just, that's just the job. Yeah. That is just the job. That is. And so you, you learn and you learn and you learn and you research if it needs to be, but you get, in the end, you still got to make decisions. Yeah. And this is where it comes down to planning. Yeah. And thinking futuristic mm. with the planning rather than just solving problems for today. Mm-hmm. So that hopefully you don't have to solve the same problems at least as often. Yeah. So, you know, simple thing would be like cold storage space. I mean, money is always the... I mean, without going that route, yeah. but it's like, hey, uh, you probably only need this much space, mm-hmm. but look at it a year or two from now. Right. Is there a way that you can look future for, look to the future on that? Mm-hmm. So where you're not going to have to rebuild a whole nother fridge in like a year. Uh, along those same lines. Um, that's something that we had to do as well is, okay, what's actually really important? Some, uh, another thing is narrowing in what's most valuable. Yes. And so that way it's Non-negotiables. Easy. What are the non-negotiables? And so, and sometimes you have to run into enough problems to know what, what actually is negotiable. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's never, ever, ever growing, ever learning category. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, basically the point of this is just saying that doing an artesian pretty small kombucha brewery that has grown to multi-state distribution mm-hmm. and many other facets as well, um, online shipping yep. across the country, mm-hmm. um, local events, 
farmers markets, things of this sort. And then also being able to serve things on tap to consumers that want to come in. On top of that, just growth in general. Canning. Way yep. more. Yep. Um, Canning more, needing more. Like growth is a problem. It can be. It's a welcomed one. It's a welcomed one. But it's, it creates it, more. Does it need solutions? Then it's yes, a problem. It and that's the joy and fun yep. of the small business pursuit is because you're not necessarily, well, you absolutely are not equipped for all these things. You don't have the intel. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the -the down-the-road insight. And so certain personalities become overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and, you know, completely immobilized by that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, other people, I would say, like myself, even though there are definite hard, hard days and hard stretches of time in that process, you know, it's more of, that's the exciting part. That's the part that keeps you engaged, which is the best part with your work. Mm-hmm. I would say if you can hold some sort of a job that holds your engagement, you're, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. And the problem solving is the most engaging aspect, even though it can be the most uncom- uncomfortable because it's not in your lane. It's not within your grasp. It's way, it's way, you know, more in the immediate. It's way more fulfilling to just, there's a, there's a question, I have the answer. But there's no feeling like having this overwhelming problem and then solving it and then implementing it and it works. Maybe after multi, multiple iterations. Yeah, I was about to say, thinking about our canning line, I'm just like, if it works yeah. several times, then you know it yeah. really works. Yeah, but yeah. there's no feeling like having that overwhelming feeling that comes over you. It's like, I'm a ground zero on this thing. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what to do. Mm-hmm. And then just one brick by brick at a time, working your way through it, just slowly and surely to where you come out the other side and your implementation actually solved the problem. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty that's one of the biggest core and foundational um parts about the work that we interact with. Yep. Right. Yeah, and I think uh you kind of went into when it's starting to thrive already kind of with this framework in your head um from what I understand, but uh most of the time you're not going you're not going into this like thinking about um other uh other brewers who we we talk to and uh, listen to this uh you don't just go into this thinking of yourself exclusively as a brewer you're also an entrepreneur you're also a lot of other things um and so that's just what that is like and so yeah to answer my uh our opening question this can be all you need to know it depends <laughs> if you're just going to be a brewer, then yeah. Or if you're just going to be an aficionado. Yeah. Can you use that word with kombucha? I've only heard it used with cigars. You can, I think with kombucha, you can use pretty much any word because most people don't even know what kombucha is anyway. We'll just use it. So you can, I, you can call can... yourself a sommelier of kombucha if you want. <laughs> I'm sure real ones would hate you. 
but a kombucha aficionado. I don't think that one would go. Does does a kombucha expert exist? Raw take. No. I can't wait. We're not doing it this time, but we will talk about that. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. All right. Thank you all again for listening to this episode. If anything just chimed off something that uh, you want to talk more about, hit us up over on the Patreon. If you hate us, if you have if you have a raw take against us, Join the Patreon and, and enter into a lively discussion with me. Please do. Please do. Lively and raw. Live, raw, living, unpasteurized. Okay, it's too far. We're going okay. too far. Also, uh, for you podcast listeners, we do have a discount for you. Yes. For- Month of uh, June. Month of June. Podcast listeners, you get this is exclusively to you. Um, just use the discount code PODCASTJUNE. All lowercase, no spaces, no punctuation, nothing. Just podcast June, and uh, it's a ten percent off of uh, all online orders. All online orders. I completely forgot. Absolutely, I've been gone last week down at the beach. Yeah, my brain's coming back. It's okay. Slowly. Well, you got time. Podcast. You're about to leave anyway. June. Podcast June. Podcast June. For ten percent off online orders. That's if right. you've been waiting back and you're still listening to this podcast and you have not made an order of our kombucha to find out if we're just sending you a bunch of hooey, mm-hmm. you gotta check out the brews. We got a we got a bunch of test batch brews going on there. Even more coming soon. Dude. There's some good ones. There's some good ones. There's some good ones. I'm excited. And uh we gotta go try that one out of the tank right after this. Absolutely. I haven't let you try it yet. You didn't have to. Uh, <laughs> I know it. I should have kept my mouth shut. Like, You're right, man. I've, I've not tried it yet. We got some good ones coming down the pipeline. So uh, now's the time. Check it out. All right. All right. Let's head over to the Patreon.